I hope that that song touches some people. I mean, imagine when all we can do is worship God. Uh, I've always believed that one part of that song, you know, will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? If you read what the scripture says, when they're in God's presence, they fall to their, fall to their face, not even their knees. So uh, what it'll be like when we have our glorified body, I don't know. But let's go ahead and pray as we get ready to open the scriptures. We'll be in Galatians chapter 3. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to fellowship with the corporate body. And we thank you that you are here and that you've given us your word so that we will know what you want us to know about you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 18. I know we covered 18 last week, but we're going to use that for context and where we're going on the next verses. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then the law? It was added for the sake of the transgression until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. Now the mediator, mediator is not the mediator of one, but God is one. We're going to stop there. <laughs> Uh, we want to look at this. We've been talking a lot about the law because Paul's message was about grace. <laughs> and since Jesus came back, he fulfilled the law, and we are in what's called a dispensation of grace. We are in a time of grace. And God rules over by grace. He doesn't, he doesn't bind us up in the law, but he gives us his spirit so that we can live. We can live out the law because of his spirit living in us is because he gives it to us. He is inside us. And remember, we've talked about this. The law is who God is. Okay? God didn't arbitrarily make up a bunch of rules. He, didn't, he wasn't flipping a coin and saying, this is good and this is bad. With a, with a draw of a coin or a flip of a coin or a draw of a card. His laws come out of who he is. He is truthful. He cannot lie. So therefore, he makes a rule, you do not lie. Okay? So we want to look at this because Paul's getting ready to answer, why then did God give us the law? And he says right here, it says in verse 19, he, it was added because or for the sake of transgression. Now we all know the first transgression was in the Garden of Eden. Eve willfully, or she was tricked, you know, probably, uh, I think it was more willful in that. She shouldn't have been anywhere near the tree. <laughs> okay, but she was tricked. Satan tricked her. Adam willfully took of the fruit. And, you know, what's really amazing is if you read that section real careful, it says that, that Adam was with her. You know, was with her. He was someplace nearby while Satan was tempting her. He should have been doing his job and defending, you know, defending his wife and taking her away from the temptation, and he did not do that. Which is why he is guilty and why the sin comes through the man. And the first transgression was that. And we want to look at this. I mean, if you've ever been in church long, you know that the, the, the Greek word for sin, or one of the Greek words for sin, is, means to miss the mark. And it's an archery term, and it means that you miss the target. Okay? Um, and so that is normally what sin is called. That's not what's used in this particular verse. This verse here uses a word that means passing beyond an assigned limit, breaking a recognized command, and it has 
it is much more than just simply missing a mark. This is a willful sin. You, you can say that Eve missed the mark. <laughs> she was tricked. She didn't necessarily willfully go out there and say, say that I'm going to make, commit this sin. Now, I can picture that she shouldn't have been anywhere near the tree. She was probably looking at the tree and saying, boy, this looks good. It, it, it looks delicious. I wonder, I wonder why it's been forbidden. Have you ever wondered why God forbids some things? You know, uh, because he knows they're bad. You know, same thing we do with our, with our kids sometimes or, or teenagers. And we say, no, you can't stay out till 3 o'clock in the morning with your, with your uh, boyfriend or girlfriend because we, nothing good happens that late at night when you're together. And they're going, oh, you just want to ruin my fun. You don't want to let us have fun with all the other people. You know, God knows when something's bad for us. And he gives us these rules and these boundaries and he marks them off and says, it's for your good. You may not understand it. You may not even believe it, but it's for your good. And you know, it's amazing when we, we, we look at this because how often do we want to, to cross over boundaries? You know, somebody says you can't do this and it's like, well, why not? It doesn't look bad to me. It doesn't look like it's something that will be bad. I, I, I should be able to do this. And God is saying, no, I, I love you enough that I don't want you to cross that boundary. And this is the transgression. Since Adam and Eve sinned, we all have this desire in our heart to cross those boundaries. And I've shared with you, I'm, I'm the type, if you tell me you cannot do something and you don't give me a reason, I'm thinking of why shouldn't I? You know, I'll be honest, that's how I am. And I know everybody in this room is probably the same way. You know, unless you can think of a good reason for yourself for not crossing that boundary and you're not told what it is, you're going, well, why, why shouldn't I cross it? Uh, you know, and this is not good, but it is what it is. It is our sinful nature that was put into us from the fall. And our sinful nature desires to sin. It's just what it does. But God is saying, I want you to live without that. That's the rule of... God put the law in there so that we would see that there are right and wrong. That there is right and wrong. And as Paul says in Romans, we wouldn't know that there was wrong without the rules. You know, and this is true. We, it's not necessarily true because we know by our conscience. Our conscience will let us know that whether something is true or not. But if we do something often enough, long enough, we can sear our conscience to say, well, I don't think it's right or wrong. It's not a big deal. So we can sear our conscience, and God gives us the laws that says, you shall not do these things. You shall, you shall not lie. You know, all of us are tempted to lie. <coughs> you know, it's, it's easy to be tempted to lie because if it's something that makes you want, you know, think I'm going to get away with something, you know, maybe if I lie, I'll get away with it. They won't know that I do it, did it. You know, it's kind of amazing how we think because we all know deep in our heart that the lie always comes out. <laughs> the truth always comes out. The, the, the fact that we lied always comes out. And yet when we're in the middle of the situation, sometimes the lie seems like the best thing to do. Because it, I'll just stay out of trouble for a little longer. You know, we, didn't, we never learned as a kid, probably, that it didn't work. You know, the kid's telling you, no, mommy, I didn't get into the chocolate cake with chocolate cake smeared all over their face. <laughs> you know, but we still do the same thing, don't we? We think we're sophisticated and making it up enough stories but that we can get away with it. But it, it still happens. You know, we still are tempted to lie, steal, you know, lust, 
All the things that we are tempted to do that the scriptures say, no, this is wrong. And all through the scriptures we read that men like to do what's right in their own eyes. Matter of fact, if you've read the book of Judges, there's a phrase in there, and they did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> and God judged them. <laughs> you know, so all through that, all through the judges, it was they did what was right in their own eyes, and God judged them, and then he raised up a judge. Man tends to want to do what's right in our own eyes. We all do. We all want to do what's right in our eyes. And the funny thing about that is, we'll do it thinking it's okay because I'm justifying myself, but it heaven helps somebody else who does the same thing that I just justified for myself. You know, I'm going to lie and it's okay because it's me, but don't lie to me. You know, and that's what we're seeing in this, this day and age where they're saying there's no absolutes. You see it all the time, people going, well, it's okay for me to do it, but no, you can't do it. You know, it's okay for me to take things, but don't you take my stuff. It's okay for me to want you know, your husband or your wife, but don't you even think about trying to take them back from me. This is the way we think, is, think in our minds. We justify what we're doing and we say, okay, it's okay for me, but nobody else. And it's amazing when you're out there with people who think there's no right and wrong, you break what they think is right and wrong, all of a sudden they're got, they've got some standards. It's whatever they think, but it is, it's their standard. And we've got to be careful because God's given us standards. We don't have to guess at the standards. But the standards are there just to show us that we are sinners and we can't keep God's law. And there's no way we can keep God's law. Some of us in this room have been following God for a long time. You know, some of us, you know, I, I'm, I'm well over 44 year, uh, 42 years and, you know, we got other people in here, the older than me, and been saved longer. Guess what? We can't keep it either. <laughs> we have just as much desire not to keep it. But it's God's presence in us that helps us. Our flesh doesn't want to keep it. God said that he gave us these laws because of the transgression until the seed should come whom the promise was made. And if you remember, that seed... That seed was Jesus. Jesus came, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and then resurrected. He fulfilled the law. None of us could fulfill the law, and he did. Now, that's the great news. Jesus fulfilled it. He went to the grave to be punished for us, and then he rose again so that we could be saved. All we have to do is recognize that we're a sinner, call out on his name, and say... I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. He then comes in and, and gets rid of the old. <laughs> gets rid of the old. Puts it under the blood of Christ. Hides it. And that's the truth. He puts our sin under this, the blood and puts it as far as the east is from the west and forgets it. Amazingly, we keep trying to remember it. <laughs> We keep trying to remember the bad, and Satan is real good about trying to remind us of how bad we are. He wants us to dwell in the past. He wants to dwell in the lie that we're not forgiven. And I've seen too many people totally sidelined because they believe the lie. The lie based on a truth. I mean, it is true that we're, we're sinners and we deserve, we deserve hell. But, that's, excuse me, that's the fact. <laughs> The truth is that Jesus has put it under the blood. We're forgiven. We need to live under that truth. Because that's where the truth has power. 
when Satan comes knocking on the door, I want to remind you of all the bad stuff you've done. You go, well, that's good, but it's under the blood. I'm headed to heaven. You're headed to hell. There's nothing you can do about it. We have power if we live in the truth. Jesus said the truth will set us free. We need to get into the scriptures and learn the truth. Learn truth and stand on truth. Because we are forgiven. There is no defeat in us except what we allow by letting our, our flesh pop up. Now, is there consequences to doing wrong things? Absolutely, there's consequences. There's reaping and sowing. But the eternal consequences dealt with. We are headed to heaven because of accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If we reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and reject his gift, we're headed to hell. Real simple. One way to heaven, Jesus. Lots of ways to hell. Reject Jesus and try to follow any other way. And it says here that he was the mediator between of the covenant. Now, do you realize what a mediator is? A mediator is somebody that stands between two parties <laughs> and tries to bring restoration. That's exactly what Jesus did. His blood shed for us satisfied God. Now, he's going to spend the rest of our lifetime trying to convince us <laughs> that we're forgiven and have friendship with God. But there's power. When we recognize that, there's power. There's power. Nothing can keep us from God. As Paul said, neither height, nor depth, nor width, nor, nor uh, I can't remember the last part. Breath. <laughs> That's it. Nothing can keep us from God. Why? Because he broke down the wall. He gave us victory. He's the mediator. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and sa Savior, we said, God, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. We're a new creature. The old things are passed away. <coughs> Very important for us to get hold of this because he is in us. He lives in us. He gives us the strength to live victoriously. Unless I want to wallow around in the pigsty that's already paid for. And God will say, okay, if that's what you, really what you want to do. Go ahead and wallow in defeat in, pig, in the pigsty. But we're not living in the victory. We are children of God, children of the king of the universe. And he's given us power. He's given us authority. He's given us victory. All we have to do is live in the truth of what Jesus did for us. And Jesus <coughs> is that mediator. This word ordained here that it says that it was ordained by the angels in the hand of the mediator literally just simply means to arrange under. They ordered it. They followed instructions <laughs> and, and made sure the things were done. It would be like some wealthy person telling the staff, we're going to have a party tonight and I want the dishes here and I want this served and I want the, you know, giving them the orders and, and the staff would be putting in order, ordaining the, ordaining the place. And everything that would happen for Jesus was placed in order by the angels to make sure that it happened. You know, and we've gone through the gospel. We've, you know, we've seen the gospel. We've seen the, the, the donkey that was there all ready for Jesus to ride into the, ride in, 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 and the times that they probably protected him from being killed before his time. And then the sadness that they had to do is they watched from heaven as the king of the universe was killed by his creation. 
I can't imagine what that would have been to the father, but much less to the angels who were charged to protect him. You know, the angels charged to protect him, like, rather, is it, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, more, you know, he could have called legions of angels to protect him, and he didn't, because he knew that his job was to buy back humans. The angels don't understand redemption. They don't understand it in any way, shape, or form, and then to watch what happened and the cost. The cost. It, the, there's a song that says, the darling of heaven crucified. You know, and Jesus is called, especially in the Psalms, the darling of the <coughs> Father. The darling of the Father, this precious one. And yet he decided to give up that reason so that he could be the mediator. The mediator between us and the Father. His job still is that, to be the mediator, to stand between the Father and us and saying, Father, it's under the blood. Satan goes to accuse us before the Father and Jesus stands up as our, as our defense attorney and says, that's paid for. It's already been paid for. You can't, take, you can't, have double, you know, can't charge the same person with the same crime, or two people with the same crime. Says it's gone, it's paid for. Do you realize that what Jesus did on the cross? He took our punishment. Our legal system has the same mentality that if somebody's charged guilty for a crime, you can't go charge somebody else later on. God has that same thing. He charged, the son took the charge for the, the penalties. And when Satan goes to accuse him, the father says, paid for, Jesus says, paid for, paid for paid for. Do you realize the power if you get hold of this idea that the, your sins are paid for? When you fail, and you will, when I fail, and I will, the sin is paid for. Jesus paid for it already. So when Satan comes around saying, you're guilty, you're, all, you're terrible, you go, yes I am, I'm terrible, I'm guilty, but it's paid for. It's gone. It's not a problem agreeing with him. One of the greatest ways to win an argument is to agree with somebody and then give them why it's not true. You know, it, it's, a fun, it's a fun thing to do. You know, what you've said may be true, but let me give you this. <laughs> let me give you a real, real fact. used to play that game a lot of times when I was in high school, talking to my science teachers about evolution. <laughs> what you say may be true, but let me tell you a few things about, <laughs> about this. It's an amazing thing. God's truth will set us free if we allow it to take it to set us free. He is a mediator between us and the Father. He paid for the sin. He paid for the debt. He fulfilled the law to the letter so that we could live under grace. Not grace that says, go do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who are afraid, a lot of pastors especially, afraid to teach grace to their they're people because they're afraid they're going to go out and go crazy because they've got grace to do whatever they want. But if you truly love God, the fact that you have grace does not mean you're going to go out and lie to everybody and steal from everybody because he's inside us wanting to come out of us. What really happens when you get grace? God starts pouring out of you. He starts pouring out of you. You tell more truth than you ever thought you'd tell because he's in there being truthful. You're, you're more honest about, about, about uh, 
theft because he's in there convicting you if you even take a pen accidentally from the store that you were signing your check with. Of course, nobody signs checks anymore, do we? <laughs> you know, I remember in the restaurant, everybody would sign checks and I'd lose a box of pen a week. <laughs> you know, and, and I know they weren't doing it on purpose. But you know, if God is in you, that, that pen would come, oh, I got the wrong pen, let me take it back. You know, oh, the cashier gave me too much change. I better get it back. It was only it was only it was only thirty cents, but I got to get it back to that poor person. Because God is in us, and He gives us He makes us act like He does, slowly, over time. And I've said this: we need to look at our life. Am I more godly today than I was yesterday? It doesn't really work. Yesterday, a month ago, a year ago, three years ago. If I'm not more godly, then I need to look at my life and say, is God in me? Am I truly saved? If I am not more godly than I was a year ago, then I gotta start saying, what's wrong? What is wrong? Is God truly in me, working out with me? Because it's important for us to understand that. If we can be worse today than we were a year ago, worse than we were two years ago, we've got a problem because we're not having God living out of us. And we need to be able to understand and say, maybe God isn't, maybe I wasn't honest when I said I believe in him. Because that word believe, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is, is Lord, literally means to be believing without any doubt. I can, and we've talked about this, we can say the words, words are simple. Jesus, I am a sinner, I deserve punishment, I believe that you died for my, you know, come into my heart. I could say those all day long, they're not magic words that says all of a sudden he's got to come into my life. I've got to believe them. Believe them with all my heart because it's no, I've got to know that it's true. So we just want to look at this. I want to encourage you, live in truth. When Satan comes to attack, live in the truth. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. You are forgiven and you live in victory. If he's not in your Lord and Savior, you've got a bigger problem to worry about. You've got to, you've got to go back and get him into your heart. But if he is... In your heart, you've accepted him as Lord and Savior. You truly believe that he is Lord and Savior and he's in your life. You're forgiven. Basically, only you and God can know that. We can see the proofs and, you know, that somebody seems to be born again. But we'll never know for sure. It said that in heaven there's going to be two surprises, and I've said this before many times. Those who are there and those who aren't there. I know people that have gone to church all their life and in their 70s and 80s all of a sudden they realize they never knew God. And they prayed and asked God in their heart and said, now I am clean, I'm, I'm, I know what it means to be saved. Very important for us to know beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus is living in us. Because just saying words isn't going to mean that he's there. Now I can tell you, if you love getting into your Bible and, you're, and you love being drawn into prayer and you love being with God's people, he's probably in your heart. If you're just going through the motions of those things and just doing them for the sake of doing them, he's probably not there. You know, but you need to make sure you know for sure. Let's close out in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for each person here. Lord, we ask that you help us to learn to live in truth. Lord, if there's anyone here struggling with whether they really truly know you, we ask right now that they'll just come before you, admit that they're a sinner, ask you for your forgiveness, and ask you to come into their life. Very simple prayer, Lord, I know I'm, I, I'm a sinner, I deserve punishment, 
and you paid the price coming to my heart. Very simple prayer, very simple activity. Beyond that, I want to encourage everybody, Lord, that they will learn to live in truth. Help them to live in the truth of your forgiveness so that they can live out in victorious life. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.